This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. And today is Wednesday, May 5th, 2021, where we are recording this show live. We're glad to be with you all. We've got a special episode lined up for you today with a special guest, whom we'll do a more formal introduction of momentarily, but... Our guest today is Steve Moses from Palisade Training Group. Steve, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Riley. Yourself? I'm doing awesome. I'm feeling 95% of the way back from this whole uh, COVID-19 business. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad to hear that. I can't complain. Uh, yeah, there was a few days there where it was hard to get out of bed. and So any day on your feet is a good day. <laughs> <laughs> can't disagree with that brother yeah so guys uh today's episode is gonna be a special episode we're gonna have a great time talking with steve the episode's titled shoot or don't shoot that is the question and uh that it is a very pertinent question one that we will explore a little bit and it's going to be a valuable information-packed episode today's episode sponsored and brought to you by ccw safe of course, ccwsafe.com is a place to go and to learn more. But CCW Safe is my personal choice for liability or legal liability type insurance, self-defense insurance. Uh, CCW Safe, I'll tell you what, and, and Steve can probably elaborate on this somewhat because you're you're part of the family over there. You're part of the CCW Safe crew. Absolutely. And this is the thing. You're going to get to know Steve a little bit today through this podcast, but Steve is just like everybody else over at CCW Safe. They are down to earth, good people that care about their members and that do awesome work behind the scenes. Uh, that you know, if if you ha- if you need them, I promise you, you're going to be thankful that they are there. A very talented, experienced crew that is there to at the ready to back you up in the event that. You need their services. So check out CCW Safe today. Okay. And you can save 10% just by using the CC Podcast coupon code. And of course, for those of you that are our Guardian Nation members, you actually save more. I believe it's 20%. There's a special discount code in the members dashboard area. So make sure you take advantage of those and uh, become a CCW Safe member today. Also, today's episode is sponsored by the 2021 Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, at the Oklahoma City Gun Club, in fact. And we've got an amazing roster of instructors, a power-packed lineup, and Steve Moses is included in that. And we're going to have three days of incredible, life-changing training for a bunch of you. We already got a bunch of you signed up. We still have some spots left. I, you know, if you're sitting on the fence wondering whether it's the, the, the event for you, I'll tell you this much. If there was one training event that I could make this year, all right, if, if my time or my budget was limiting and I, I had to look at things and go, all right, I can do one major quality training event this year in 2021, this would be the one I'd do. All right. So 
give it a look. It's guardianconference.com. See the full lineup of instructors there here. I, I uh, It's probably not going to be this week. I think next week I'm finally going to get kind of a rough draft of a schedule of sorts put up uh, along with instructor bios and instructor course listings. So you guys can start checking that out and seeing what's going to be going on. So stay tuned for that. And I'll tell you this much. Uh, Steve, I mentioned, is going to be there teaching. And Steve, why don't you tell folks that this would be a good time to kind of introduce you a little bit. Why don't you share a little bit of background information about yourself and also just touch on a little bit of the uh, the, the class that you're planning on, the uh, the four-hour block that you're going to teach at the Guardian Conference. Well, very good, Raleigh. I very much appreciate you having me on. Uh, my name is Steve Moses. Uh, I've been a firearms instructor now since 1994, so that's going on a few years. Uh, I am a uh, former or retired deputy constable. I was on the special response team for 10 years, which was uh, pretty outstanding uh, for a reserve officer to be allowed to uh, participate in that. Uh, currently, I uh, work for both CCW Safe and the Pharma Trainers Association uh, for both companies. I, uh, yeah, my hat, my hat. Uh, yeah, you got the CCW companies. Safe hat, and I've got the FTA hat. <laughs> there we go. We've got all of our bases covered here. I debated which hat to wear because uh, I do have two hats. Uh, for CCW Safe, I am a content contributor. I have been writing weekly articles uh, for CCW Safe covering topics of uh, interest to concealed carriers since October of 2019. I started doing the same for the Farm Trainers Association last year. So I also put out a lot of content for not only members of the Farm Trainers Association, but other persons that I believe that ah, you might benefit from that content or you might see why the Farm Trainers Association is such a stellar organization. In addition, for the Farm Trainers Association, I also handle all the customer support. So when a new member signs up, uh, I'll either generate his certificate, I generate his range endorsements or her range endorsements. We have many female members. And in addition, I address the questions that potential members might have about joining the Farm Trainers Association. Uh, Palisade Training Group, Ross, like I said, I've been an instructor now for probably over 27 years. Uh, I think I already made mention to my former law enforcement credentials. I'm currently a licensed level four personal protection officer instructor in Texas in order to do executive protection. You have to be licensed and I'm licensed actually to uh, to teach uh, the, uh, the, the, the class that's required in order to obtain your certification. I've uh, had some pretty good classes. I recently took the Modern Samurai uh, Project, a Red Dot instructor class under Scott Jedlinski. Uh, that was that was very beneficial to me. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm, I'm proud of this because I don't think a lot of people can say this. Although I no longer am able to train where I was, I'm a Helsing Gracie Jiu Jitsu brown belt, and I uh, currently train under a uh, really outstanding instructor named Josh Poland in uh, Granbury, Texas. So I'm a, I'm a pretty fortunate guy to be able to do what I do. Uh, in regard to the class, uh, one of the things that I have uh, had the, I'd say the luxury of doing is uh, working with uh, Kyle Sweet, and Mike Darter and Stan Campbell uh, for CCW Safe, uh, kind of understand what's going on behind the scenes there. 
And I've also participated in a number of podcasts with uh, Sean Vincent and Don West covering uh, mostly high profile cases that kind of make direct reference to the lessons learned, both good and bad from what actually uh, unraveled. And during that time, I became more and more convinced that while I think the ability to choose the proper gun, learn how to run it properly, have good gun handling skills, have the ability to get good, fast hits uh, under stress, I think that's very, very important. There's also another segment of it that I don't believe maybe gets as much attention as it probably should be as far in reference to the concealed carriers. And that is the people management skills of a potential encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regard to the class that we're teaching, I'm a big fan of Craig Douglas's uh, Managing Unknown Contacts uh, system. Uh, we've been, uh, well, we studied that. We've been teaching that for years. What I have noticed uh, in the last year is there's, there seems to be a tendency for strangers to basically attack another person for no other reason that they didn't like them and they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so kind of gave that some thought. I talked to my two partners, Alan McBee and Guy Schnitzler. Uh, both of them will be assisting me in teaching this class. Uh, both have impressive um, resumes. Uh, I, I think the students are going to be very pleased to see what these gentlemen have to say. And we came up with a, uh, a four-hour class that basically uh, involves how to better manage what I'm going to call don't shoot and shoot encounters in transitional areas. Uh, Definition of a transitional area is typically going to be anything perhaps outside of your home or let's just say your church or your business in which you are in the process of moving from one point to another point. So that might be parking lots, that might be sidewalks, uh, that might be uh, garages, you know, uh, I'm sorry, parking garages, et cetera. But that's where a lot of these attacks that we have seen on video have taken place. And so we decided maybe it might be a good idea to not only address that contact that we say is unknown. He may be attempting to use ruse in order to get closer to us so that they can then go ahead and follow through with their plans but also deal with those persons that uh, their ill will and potential intent is pretty obvious and no attempt to, you know, say, hey, man, I can't help you. You need to stay back, stay back, uh, and then respond. In many of the instances, these people are moving right in on us. And I think that puts a lot of concealed carriers in a position as to uh, what do I do? How do I handle that? In a lot of recent cases, we have seen Uh, concealed carriers who I don't know all the circumstances for each individual case, but that have displayed their weapons in an attempt to uh, handle that threat. But the problem was that they were later charged with brandishing, aggravated assault or other criminal offenses. And if you're in an area, especially where the media is not very kind on uh, armed citizens and the uh, politicians may have an agenda, then I think the ability to do everything you can in order to keep that situation from going to guns 
is very much in order. And I always kind of thought that was the case, but now it's really kind of come to my attention. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have to agree with, with that, you know, I mean, and that's, that's the reality of life as a gun carrier, as a concealed carrier that, you know, and we oftentimes get started. I mean, I did, uh, right. I mean, as soon as I was able to legally, uh, obtain a concealed carry permit and carry concealed. I mean, I went right, right out and did it. But at that time in my life and where I was at mindset wise was just, Hey, gun holster, stick it in my waistband. And like, I'm good. Right. Um, fortunately over time, you know, I've learned that there's a lot more to it than, than that. Uh, just a bit, you know, there, there's, there's so much involved, uh, beyond the gun and the holster talking about, I mean, everything that you're touching on here so far today, uh, dealing with situations and scenarios, uh, especially when we're away from home. Uh, you know, we've, we've chances are most of us have encountered a situation at some point in our life that made us uncomfortable Yes, for whatever reason, you know, some kind of interaction with another human being, uh, whether it was, some level of weirdness, uh, discomfort, uh, 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 you know, fear related, you know, they were doing something that was pretty sketchy or <clears throat> that was intimidating us. Uh, and, and many of us probably had multiple incidents that are like that. And so, you know, I, I love the concept and where you're going with this, this curriculum and to see that presented at our guardian conference, because those are very, very important skills. I mean, most of what I think carrying a gun is about is, is remaining in mental and emotional control over ourselves as we go about our daily lives, you know, managing interactions with other people in a way that number one, like we should be good human beings, right? Like that's, that's, that's a given, like we should be decent human beings, good to our fellow man and woman, and, and treating others like we'd want to be treated, you know, golden rule, uh, whatever, you know, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, you know, like you, you should be a good person. But secondarily to that, we got to manage our interactions with others in a, in a way that limits liability and limits the potential for it turning into something we don't want. Uh, I agree. You know, when you think that the results of an encounter such as we've talked about might be that I get seriously injured, uh, I get killed, I get arrested, uh, I get indicted. I get, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I get indicted. I get incarcerated and perhaps I become bankrupt. Uh, all those things have to be taken into consideration. Another thing that I think some concealed carers haven't thought about is if you get involved in a situation like that and it goes badly, what impact will that have on your loved ones or the persons that are dependent upon you? And so I think we should do everything that we can to, you know, basically avoid any situation in which it's necessary to bring that gun into play. Now, we can't always manage everything. You know, people always talk about situational awareness, general awareness, uh, you know, not going to places, don't be around stupid people at stupid times, doing stupid things. And all of that is absolutely correct. Uh, one issue is that we don't always have complete control of the environment around us. 
and things can take place that may be uh, unexpected and they occur without our consent. I think we need to be prepared to handle that. I think a big part is understanding what those scenarios might look like and what might be the motivation of the other person who, you know, perhaps does have a bad intent. And so one of the things we really want to do is say, hey, you may not always know what that person's exact motivation is. And it's really probably not important that perhaps the very best thing you could do initially is announce that you're exiting the scene and attempting to break contact. So, you know, a lot of people talk about stand your ground laws, and I, I, I'm glad those are in force. And I think those are definitely uh, in our benefit if we execute them properly. But in terms of the giving ground, uh, I will give ground at any opportunity then I, that I can, especially in transitional areas. And yeah. so want to talk about, OK, hey, you need to break contact immediately. You need to make it known that those persons uh, are you're leaving. And if they attempt to stop you, then basically, as I believe both Andrew Bronca and Mike Darter have said, you've kind of stripped away the ambiguity of the circumstances. And then it kind of gives you a little bit more time to say, okay, what is it I need to do? Mm. The other thing that we want to impress upon our students, and of course, this is a four-hour clinic, so it's, it's really, and I call it a clinic as opposed to a class, is that right. we're going to be able to introduce some concepts and no one is going to, you know, walk away a John Wickish ninja. If you agree that this is something that you would like to work into your, your toolbox, it's something that you're going to have to go ahead and work on and think about. But just this idea of if I can break contact, I will. If that person prevents me from breaking contact, can I wait until I hate to use the word the last minute but until there truly is no other possible option to bring my handgun. So I think it's important. And we're going to touch on this is uh, what happens if someone goes ahead, hence attempts to strike you. Or they attempt to strike you, you can't break contact, and you become entangled. So we're going to touch on all that. So our option, our, our objective is, okay, give you a little bit of knowledge what it might look like, give you some thoughts on what you might do, give you some tools to work on. But by the same token, let's go ahead and work on some, uh, some live fire shooting exercises so that if all else fails and you do need to resort to the gun, then your chances of uh, surviving, you know, that unwanted gunfight, un, excuse me, unwanted gunfight have uh, greatly increased. Mm-hmm. Essentially what I, you know, just listening to you describe that just now, what, what I take away from that is, is the default course of action wherever possible. I mean, and, and of course we're real big at the po- on the podcast talking about this consistently, but the default course of action should always be to try to de-escalate and avoid conflict. Yes. That is the one, if there's a guarantee in this area of, of you know, dealing with life and, and encounters with other people, well, if we can avoid and de-escalate, like more often than not, that that means that it doesn't go further than that that we avoid the situation in the first place and we go home safe. And maybe we feel like we've lost some, some face or something like, 
you know, well, you know, I sure, I sure feel slighted that they treated me this way or whatever, but you know what? Hurt feelings is a small pay, price to pay compared to going too far or making the wrong decision in the heat of the moment. And by the way, to that point, I feel like by and large, most, um, I will say concealed carriers. So by that, let me define uh, someone that conceals carry a gun probably and, and in many states probably means that they have obtained a permit to do so. Now, granted, we're seeing more and more constitutional carry states, but this would imply that that person has gone through an application process, a background check process, an approval process, received this permit that the state, the county, the law, whatever says that now this individual can carry concealed. And so by definition, up until this point in their life, they are what would be defined as a law-abiding citizen because they had to be to qualify for that permit. But yet we do see, unfortunately, examples of law-abiding citizens, a.k.a. concealed carriers, that are arrested and charged with all manner of things, you know, all the way from from felony menacing, brandishing, whatever, all the way up through murder one, um, that I'm convinced that they didn't set out that day with this attitude or this plan even to, you know, like they didn't go out, all right, I'm going to kill me a man today. You know, it, it, it's that in the heat of the moment, emotions get involved. And before the brain can catch up and say, mm, it's not a good idea, they just, you know, react and, and go with, I guess, their gut, which in this instance is, I'm really pissed off at you right now and I'm going to do something about it. That, does that sound like an accurate description to you? Uh, absolutely. You know, that whole thing of uh, avoid and uh, de-escalate, disengage, you know, uh, and then defend uh, should be pretty much in that order. And I think that's really a critical part of it. Uh, to this day, there's been a fair amount of instruction about talking about de-escalation. I'm huge on de-escalation. Um, my full-time job was uh, oil and gas. I was a in-house uh, certified professional, professional landman in which I negotiated uh, transactions and then put them into writing. So that meant I had to have people skills. I had to be able to work with people. Then I had to be able to put that in some form that was clear that other people would agree to. And during that time, and especially also when I was doing uh, reserve constable work, is that the ability to manage a person and de-escalate it, use verbal judo or whatever you want to call it, uh, was very important. And I think that should be. And that's one of the things that, okay, we've got different kinds of confrontations. The confrontation may very well be it was a, uh, you've got an agitated party, agitated for whatever reason. and we don't feel like we've done anything wrong. And you know what? On principle, we're going to sit here and we're going to have an argument with that person. Okay. You also have that person whose motivation is criminally predatory. That is, they want to get close enough to you to, re, you know, take something from you of value. 
And then you have the other situation or at least another situation in which that person's objective is to injure you, uh, kill you or whatever. We're going to focus mostly on this third block in this particular class. And basically, a lot of people like going, well, I, uh, I tried to de-escalate. I tried to disengage and both failed. And to that end, what else can I do to keep myself from actually having to, you know, go to my gun or do anything else that might be considered an unwarranted criminal offense? In the course of that, is there anything involving uh, less lethal options? We will talk about less lethal. Uh, I think absolutely something like OC is something that every concealed carrier uh, has on their uh, yeah, palm. I think mine has a little black ring, but yep. your, your ring is okay. But <laughs> I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely think OC is critical, and I carry it every day. And that is the thing that I'm going to use prior to using any other kind of physical force, including in most instances, even my hands, if I have the situation to, you know, if it's warranted to touch somebody with your hands in order to defend yourself, it is probably okay to use OC. And I am a, I'm a big fan. Mm. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Let's talk some more about transitional spaces. spaces. What are some of the challenges uh, that uh, people, you know, tend to be faced with on a daily basis regarding transitional spaces? Well, the big problem in transitional spaces is this can be kind of a hunting ground for either people that are looking to, you know, benefit financially or people that perhaps uh, they're part of a, of a protest or you've got a, uh, a group of uh, young men, could be women too, that are drinking around and they're discussing their grievances and some of them are starting to get worked up and they see someone that might be what they would think of as, a, as an easy target. So in those particular areas, what we know is that it's perfectly acceptable for there to be strangers there. So if I'm in my house, I know everyone that's in my house. When I worked in a uh, business, I either knew everyone that was either in that business or I knew why they were there, or it was very common to have people milling around that were not known to me, if that was just part of, okay, they actually had to come to that business and that was something that was accepted. In transitional areas, we typically, we don't know those persons. And the other thing is you can't always control your own space. So that inability to consistently manage and maintain distance from other persons uh, may, not, may not always be an option. And so to me, those are really, you know, that person has just as much uh, right to be in that particular space as you do during that time. And so that puts us in a situation where we really need to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. I really don't care where you live. Uh, there's no really good reason to stop and just kind of meander there unless you just leave, you know, in Mary, Mayberry RFD, where, you know, every single person there. And I basically do where my wife and I live. But for many, many concealed carriers, 
uh, especially in populated populated areas, uh, there are people there that probably should be transitioning from one space to another, but are not for some reason. So most people transitional areas, the very definition, I'm transitioning from one area to another. If I'm just in that space, then I probably have a different activity or motivation uh, going on at that time. Yeah. And, and for those that maybe aren't as uh, clued into the concept or the terminology even, uh, what, what are some examples of what transitional areas would be? Well, ones that immediately come to mind are sidewalks and public areas, roads, streets, parking lots, uh, ATMs, gas stations, big gas stations. You know, uh, of course, a mall has a parking lot, but, you know, areas around mall, all of those are transitional areas. So no one, for the most part, is just going to stand out there in that transitional area and conduct business for any kind of lengthy period. So I think that kind of maybe covers the sum. I'm, I'm sure I'm probably missing some. But hopefully that kind of gives the, 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 you know, the viewers an idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, essentially, if if someone is familiar with the term loitering, uh, that's kind of what we're getting at here. If you have someone loitering, that means they're just hanging around for no particularly good reason. Uh, that should start, to, you know, that should be a, something that we that we that we notice and we pay attention to that. Hmm. Normally, this is a space where you don't just hang around. So what's this person up to? Well, another way to look at it also is this is a space where loitering may occur. And so it's kind of like, okay, uh, we always kind of look at things, uh, you know, when I was, you know, doing some stuff on the special response team is, okay, we've got threats and we have threat areas. And a threat is an identifiable person we may or may not know, you know, what uh, whether they're going to attempt to harm us or not, but that's a potential threat. A threat area is anywhere where a person like that might hide or be. So if you're clearing a house, that might be a bathroom, that might be a closet, that might be a small room. If you come into a house with a team, and I'm, I know I'm kind of going off track here, and you're in a place and there's multiple doors all around you and all of them are open, every one of those doors is a potential threat area. Well, for the concealed carrier, parking lots, uh, especially, you know, at times when uh, maybe it's people shouldn't be there or it's dark, especially when it's dark, I consider all those a threat area. I consider the uh, where I park when I'm getting gas to be a threat area. I go to an ATM, I consider that area around there to be a threat area. So maybe that kind of helps clarify where I'm going with this. Absolutely. No, that's a, and that's, I've never heard it quite described in that way, but I, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's a, an area of opportunity for someone that, you know, maybe is looking for someone like me that they want to take advantage of. Like ATMs, like you mentioned, are a big one because, well, what do people do at ATMs? They're pulling out money. That's a crime of opportunity. So anybody hanging around, you know, with nothing good, you know, they're not up to no good, just kind of hanging around that ATM. Hmm. Might be a clue. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Well, or the other thing is 
when I move from, let's say I've arrived there by vehicle, as I move to my car, I mean, move from my car to the area that I want to enter, I need to go ahead and I need to move there directly. I need to keep my head up. I need to be situation generally aware, uh, situationally aware. If I see something that's a concern for me, anything I can do to kind of increase my distance from that. And one of the big things, of course, is to not slave myself to my cell phone, uh, making phone calls, texting, reading emails. So that cell phone probably needs to go ahead and stay either in the uh, the pocket or the purse. And the other thing, upon leaving that particular area, especially if it's like a grocery store, uh, I want to get out there fairly quick. I want to go straight to my car. I want to be aware of what's going on around me. I want to get my stuff in my car and I want to be looking around just kind of a, you know, just, just a slow scan, kind of see what's going on. And if something I see alerts me, I need to be prepared to act on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All, all very good thoughts. Let's see. Uh, and I'm actually kind of looking over your description for your, uh, for your clinic, your four hour block at the guardian conference. Um, and I'll just kind of read something actually from here. We've we sort of covered this, but you say here that anything that concealed carriers can do to avoid using lethal force should always be the preferred option. And those who plan in advance and train will almost always find that there's chances of successfully dealing with don't shoot shoot encounters have dramatically improved. So I kind of want to touch on that a little bit now at this point and just kind of get pick your brain a little bit for your uh dare i say training philosophies and and sort of i want to expand on this a little bit what what, in other words kind of looking for advice from you for our listeners about what would be some good goals and some good uh uh you know methodologies if you will for for training because as you mentioned here and i completely agree with this that if we plan in advance and train our chances of successfully handling situations like what we're talking about today will be dramatically improved well uh for me uh, i really want to go ahead and i want to make myself familiar with all of the things that have gone wrong that is what did what actually happened in a situation and when it went poorly for the concealed carrier and what could he or she have done in order to better improve their chances. And when you start reading this stuff, that's been the great thing about working with uh, Sean Vincent and Don West. And we've had Claude Warner on a few podcasts. He was just, he's brilliant. Uh, I even got the term don't shoot, shoot versus shoot, don't shoot from Claude because he goes, you know, our first, um, thought should always be try to make it a don't shoot scenario. And I thought, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But that is what, what, what might this look like? And then if someone is moving in on me, what are they expecting to happen? If they have a plan, which is, okay, we're going to go move on this person and he'll either stand there and we'll just pile on him or he will just freeze and we can pretty much do what we want. Anything that we do that is unexpected will probably improve our chances. 
So one, work with some other people and practice on your disengagement. And in terms of disengagement, I've done this multiple times. There's nothing that much that difficult about it, Riley. It's just simply if someone is moving in on you, you basically just walk off in a different direction and you force that particular person to actually chase you down. And if they continue to chase you down, then you're getting information. And then if you have a plan, you can, you know, surprise them with that plan. Uh, the second thing is, is that I think concealed carriers need to carry their handguns in a location in which they can quickly access them. You know, I'm a big believer of, you know, explosive movement. Uh, by that, I simply mean the ability to get my hands on that gun as quickly as possible. And then if necessary, get that muzzle between me and the threat. And then I think it's ne- it's important to be able to make accurate hits doing that. And then finally, I think it's necessary to consider adding initial movement mm-hmm. to your response. And that initial movement uh, has multiple benefits. Uh, one is it may very well surprise the other person. Uh, two, it probably will buy you time as they process what's going on, which time gives you the ability or a better opportunity to get your gun out. And three, I think it also decreases the chances that you will probably be hit with a you know shot and, and, and hit solid. Not saying it won't happen, but I think it increases. And so that's why we're going to incorporate a live fire block that incorporates various movement drills and talk about how managing this person so that if robbery is their objective, I mean, I kind of got this, I've gotten this from other people, but John Correa, it really did a pretty good job of talking about in his videos is that, you know, waiting for that moment when that person averts their eyes, maybe their entire head while they're looking in another direction, because it's a stressful movement for them. And then responding, uh, we're going to cover that. And I've had some really great teachers in terms of moving and shooting, which is different for the most part than shooting on the move. I think shooting on the move is fun to do. And I can see a, 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 a place for it under certain you know, circumstances. But for the most part, what we're doing is we will be moving quickly to a stable position or perhaps even to cover and then engaging the target. Mm-hmm. So it's not a high speed class, but I think it's important that the students, you know, have that ability to, you know, be on a, on a let's, let's, let's just say maybe the equivalent of an advanced marksman or a sharpshooter IDPA, you know, skills, which means, hey, I can safely get that gun in and out of the holster and it's not going to take me five seconds to do so. Yeah. 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 The, and that they're generally, you know, they're comfortable with with moving with a gun in the hand and, and putting shots on target. Yes, sir. <clears throat> um, yeah, that is, uh, that's, that's really excellent. One thing also here that you talk about in your course description is uh, you say that that you're going to cover why the ability to defensively display a concealed handgun in a manner that does not violate state law may be desirable. And also, actually, let's just, let's just cover that. I think that's something that um, 
I think a lot of concealed carriers kind of wonder about is what can I do or what should I do or how should I handle myself in a situation where I believe there's a need for me to draw my gun, but maybe as that gun comes out, whether it's a situation that changes or whatever, but instead of actually pressing the trigger, but we are, we're still using that as a, as a, as a strategy, as a tactic, as a tool to uh, bring that, that situation to a close. I mean, can you, can you expand on that a little bit? Well, at, at least in Texas, and I, I'm sure this isn't true in other states, is that uh, a threat to use force is justified if actual deadly force is justified. Absolutely. So the big problem for a lot of concealed carriers is they tend to draw the gun and display it or simply display the gun uh, in a threatening manner before the circumstances warranted it. I was scared. I didn't know what else to do. So I did this. Well, unfortunately, that has not gone well for a large number of concealed carriers. And my preference is always going to be, even if I draw my gun, to not shoot the other person if that is at all possible. My thoughts on this, if the situation is such that the other person has the intent or they're manifesting the intent, or there's a reason I believe they have the intent, and a reasonable person in my same shoes would think the same thing. They have the ability, they have the opportunity to grievously harm me or kill me, and there are no other options available to me, then I believe that the use of uh, lawful deadly force is warranted. If I am properly trained and I understand what's what's going on, and I know that I have other options, I may very well have the ability to bring that gun into play, surprising that person so fast that even though I could have justifiably shot them, I may be able to cause them to react to that and the situation changes. And actually, this happens quite a bit. Mm. So we will talk about that. Uh, We'll really try to drive home the fact that if everything is in place, you can't just say I was scared or there was four of them. Okay, you need to be able to articulate more than that. As a matter of fact, a jury is going to have to buy that. And better yet, your attorneys are going to go, okay, we aren't going to have a big problem with that. Okay, then it's probably okay to bring that gun out. And for me, that's going to be bringing that gun out and driving it to, in most instances, it's going to be driving it to a low ready. So even though the gun comes out, if I think I have the time, that is, that person is not rushing me and they're, say, 10 yards away and at a full run, I may very well have time to first drive that gun out to a hard ready and issue a command. And I may get a response that indicates that I do not need to shoot that person or person. Yeah. Yeah. I. And again, that's why scenario-based training practice going through things like, like what you're going to cover in this course is so important. Um, You know, in a stressful situation, I'm sure this is nothing new to you, but you know, for the benefit, I hope of our viewers and listeners uh, in a stressful situation, if we don't have a frame of reference to connect to 
the current situation that's occurring to us, you know, and by that I'm talking about some kind of threat-based situation. Uh, and, and by the way, creating that frame of reference can come from a variety of sources and, and places, meaning, you know, I've done force-on-force training in the past, that, you know, kind of set me up for this. I've done uh, maybe some uh, 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 TI, you know, or, or, or simulated force-on-force type training. Uh, maybe it's just that I've been in a number of training courses and I've really, you know, applied myself and, and, and thought through scenarios and kind of pre-planned some, you know, what might be some acceptable responses based on X, Y, Z thing that may occur. Um, but, but the th- the key is, is that under stress, it can be difficult for us. Like there's usually not the time or the ability for us to think our way through a problem, the brain wants to find an answer and wants to find an answer quickly. And if we have a frame of reference to kind of connect to that, it doesn't have to be mean that we've experienced exactly that scenario before, but something that we go, ah, this is like this other thing that I have trained, practiced, been in a course, whatever, you know, and that, and, and making that connection in the brain goes, okay, this is what I got to do. Does that make sense? Did I, did I articulate oh, that? Absolutely. I think you hit that nail right on the head. Uh, basically, I kind of think of it as, okay, we want to th- understand or have an appreciation for what might happen and then have some preloaded responses already in place. If this happens, I can do this. If this happens, I can do this. If this happens, I can do this. And then also we practice doing that and doing that correctly. And so, that's one of the things that we really are going to touch on in this class. Uh, we will cover in some detail, not a lot of detail because we just have four hours mm-hmm. on, uh, okay, how you can uh, use default cover. That's a Craig Douglas, Cecil Birch um, uh, term to prevent yourself from getting struck. So if you're concerned about the situation, the person's within, you know, say two arms length and all of a sudden they, they, they start, oh, they punch you. You're like, oh, I can't draw that fast. Well, uh, we'll show you how you can cover your head and hopefully break contact or disengage, even though you're entangled or if necessary, even go ahead and bring that weapon into bear in such a manner that the person doesn't have an immediate opportunity to grab that. And again, we're just going to touch on this stuff. Uh, We will show the students uh, how we would recommend doing that. Uh, We will have uh, blue guns, red guns, kind of replica guns in order to kind of work that through. But again, we're like, hey, we're showing this to you. It's kind of like going to a wine tasting, okay? We're showing this to you. We're going to let you taste it. But it's up to you afterwards to go out and then actually – purchase that product to, you know, hard work and practice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, I mean, and, and transparent, that's part of what this training conference is all about. It's sort of like a buffet of training. You don't get, you know, it is difficult and challenging to cover comprehensively any amount of material in a four hour block, but it's sort of like, Let's give you a taste and, and yes. you are going to learn stuff. You're going to come away with takeaways. Absolutely. But it's sort of like you're going to come away with, you know, bits and pieces here and there and to get the whole context and to, to really apply yourself. Uh, you may want to uh, then of course consider 
going and, and, and taking training with, you know, the full one day or two day course or whatever it is that many of these instructors will have to offer. I know I've done that. I've, I've participated in some similar training events. And then after the fact, thought, you know, I really enjoyed that four hour block with instructor such and such. And I'm going to now go and do their full one or two day course because, you know, that it, it showed me that there's some real value there. And, and, and that's what I, I do hope that, you know, the instructors of this event get out of this is that there will be some repeat business for you guys because uh, that's a good thing because that means that uh, more people are discovering you and what you have to offer. But also that means that more and more people are getting out there and being encouraged and motivated to training. I think this event is a great way to, uh, and I'll tell you, what, if you've never really done much formal training, this may be a good place for you to, I'm not saying that every course that's available at our, at the Guardian Conference would be ideal for you, but it'd be a great place to kind of get your feet wet in a uh, abbreviated format and then kind of show you the direction that maybe is is the right one for you to pursue kind of next step. I wanted to ask, uh, I thought of this question a little bit <clears throat> earlier, um, Steve, and I know that again, that you've analyzed and discussed and, and probably, uh, you know, analyzed behind the scenes, but not necessarily, you know, talked about on, on the CCW safe podcast or whatnot, but I, I know that you've spent a good deal of time studying various incidents that have occurred and i was wondering if you might you know based on a lot of what we've talked about here today if you if there's a good example of something that comes to mind uh that you could share with us that sort of illustrates whether it's both or whether it's good or bad or both if there's lessons that go both ways but if there maybe is a an example you'd share with us that we could benefit from uh absolutely uh the thing that has really been driven home to me uh, now over the, the months and even years is the importance of breaking contact as soon as possible, if possible. And so many concealed carriers have not done that. And when you go back and you look at all of the circumstances, you will see numerous opportunities for them to do that. And uh, one of the things that Sean and Don and myself have all agreed to do is we're not going to come back and second guess these persons with 2020 hindsight. But there's some lessons learned that are going to benefit the, uh, the rest of us. And in many of these instances, had the person actually been prepared in advance and handled the situation, in most instances, by uh, either de-escalation or disengagement, I think they would have had a better outcome. By the same token, there have been at least a several that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with in which the concealed carrier pretty much did everything right. And everything that they did right was one, they did not make them part of the initial aggression. That is, they weren't an aggressor, they weren't a counter aggressor, they basically left the circumstances. In these instances, the persons were later in, you know, tracked down uh, by their attacker and they were forced to defend themselves. Mm. Now, one of the things lessons learned, and again, not to 
uh, pick at these persons. And there's certainly one instance in which I can't find any fault in what that person did is that they decided to maybe leave where they were going and move to another location in order to get like into a vehicle or something like that in which they were accosted. So let's just say, for instance, had they gone ahead, stayed in place, made a phone call to 911, I've got concerns, this guy threatened me, uh, the circumstances may have uh, ultimately turned out better for everybody. And when I say for everybody, uh, the persons were undoubtedly justified in what they did, but that doesn't mean that they didn't go through hell for, you know, months, in some cases, to several years before all the circumstances or all the, all the, you know, all the details were resolved and it created problems for their other family members and created, you know, in one instance, uh, employment problems Absolutely. for this particular person. And so just that I don't want to be a part of it. I'm going to do anything I can to de-escalate. I'm going to do anything I can to disengage. Uh, I'm kind of an advocate. If someone is starting to move in on me and there's no place for me to go, I know this just sounds like I'm being all conniving and everything. Uh, I'm basically, well, if possible, take a step or two back. You know, give an indication to the witnesses that I was not attempting to stand my ground. I was attempting to give ground. Had I been able to give ground even further, I probably would have done so. I think may have a positive outcome on the, the, the legal fight afterwards. And the other thing is be very, very cognizant of the fact that the legal fight nowadays is a huge, huge battle. And I don't care how positive the outcome is, the toll that it can take on you and your family is immense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, emotionally, mentally, uh, as you mentioned, sometimes employment-wise, so financially, uh, but also the cost of getting involved in things like that. And of course, you know, that's where this is a great segue. I mean, and we're kind of coming to, you know, we're hitting about that hour mark. So we're close to it. This is a good segue, I think, into, uh, you know, one of our sponsors, the CCW Safe. You got to have CCW Safe. <laughs> um, you know, and granted, people may view uh, your input on this as being, you know, internal and biased, but. Uh, I'd love to hear your perspective, Steve, Steve, on, I mean, obviously it's your choice to even be associated with CCW safe. And I know you to be a, an honorable person. So there has to be uh, something there that, that draws you to the organization. And I'm curious what that is. Well, uh, there's multiple things. Uh, first of all, the quality of their people is just outstanding. Uh, I have known Kyle Sweet and Mike Darter for decades, and uh, I'm older than both. You know, I've seen them grown up, and they are quality guys. Stan Campbell is just an absolute sweetheart of a guy. I want to say that because I know he's going to hear this and probably <laughs> you know, squeeze my head off. But he is just another stellar individual that uh, I have come to know and, uh, and, and really respect. I've seen those guys work behind the scenes, and it's incredible the talent and the ethics and the, just, the, just the, the, the hard driving, uh, the, the, I don't know, their work ethic. Their work ethic is just incredible. Uh, Gary Eastridge 
is a longtime uh, homicide investigator. He has been in a shooting. He has investigated shootings. He's investigated homicides for Oklahoma City Police Department, the Oklahoma County uh, District Attorney. And I believe he actually did some work over in Bosnia uh, doing the same thing. And that is go these are the people that are going to respond to your phone call. Uh, everything that I have seen take place in terms of the way that they've handled clients, trying to make this the, the easiest, uh, I, that, I'm not, I'm not going to couch that right, trying to make this, this incident on them, which they know is so severe, have the least impact and let them know that A, they will cover them, uh, is it's, 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 I've, I've seen it in action and I know it works. A lot of people don't know that uh, Kyle Sweet and some of the others, they also also handle all use of force incidents on behalf of the Oklahoma City Police Department. So they have, they're currently involved in dealing with these cases that in many ways are not dissimilar in what might happen in an incident that involves a concealed carrier. So they're, they're outstanding guys. Uh, I, I, I think the, the, the world of them, and I am just, you know, blessed that they would allow me to kind of hang on to their coattails and do what I do. I've got the best mm -hmm. job in town. Yeah, that's awesome, brother. Uh, I was just thinking and kind of the way I describe it sometimes to folks, uh, describing the level of service that you will get from CCW safe and their response team, the executive team, in the event that you needed to uh, use their services as, as a member is that they will hold your hand through the process. Uh, they know every step of the way. They will guide you. They will point you in the right direction and make sure that you get the best representation possible. And you may even get physically a bear hug from Stan Campbell because that's just the kind of man that he is. Uh, he awesome bear hugs. <laughs> uh, and that's what I mean is that they'll be there to, to back you up, to hold your hand, walk you through the process. And, and my reference to the hugs, they, they will support you. They, that's, uh, and, and I've been impressed. I mean, we had Stephen Maddox on the podcast a while back. And his, his story is uh, <clears throat> incredible incredible in the testimony that it is of the level of service and the level of detail of care uh, that uh, CCW safe that everybody, like you said, from the top down, Mike, Kyle, Stan, Gary, Don, Don West, yeah, I forgot everybody him. right there to help Stephen Maddox navigate that process to be properly represented and come out the other side. Granted, a changed man, a man whose life will never be quite the same, um, but uh, it would have been very different, more than likely, meaning that he'd be behind bars right now instead of a free man. Uh, I really failed to mention Don West, who is national counsel for CCWSA for persons that don't know this. Uh, he was uh, George Zimmerman's attorney in the Trayvon Martin uh, incident. And also they recently added another stellar individual, uh, Rob High, mm -hmm. uh, former uh, Oklahoma City police officer, detective. 
Uh, he was in charge of the uh, he was training coordinator for the police academy. And he brings in just a ton of experience. Uh, another guy that's got a great work ethic, very, very dedicated to the job. So there are just some quality individuals there. And I, I, I couldn't recommend them any higher. Yeah. I agree with that. And I need to get to know Rob better. Um, yeah, we failed to mention him and, and, uh, I've, you know, followed that a little bit, but I, I just, I need to get to know Rob and, and the rest. You need to, you need to, you need to get to know Rob. Yes. We, maybe we should have him on the podcast or something. <laughs> uh, he would be an excellent guest. Well, we'll have to make that happen. Well, folks, we need to wrap it up. Uh, Steve, this has been a wonderful hour spent together, brother. Appreciate you and your time and, and your expertise lending to us here. Uh, I, I will give you the opportunity at this time. And, and first, though, we should have mentioned it earlier on, but folks, uh, Steve Moses, Palisade, tra- Palisade Training Group, ppgtrainingllc.com is your website. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. So we'll make sure we recognize that. Uh, and so folks want to go to your website again, PTG, that's Palisade Training Group, ptgtrainingllc.com. Uh, then that's a place where you'll find Steve, his team, uh, Alan and Guy, uh, f- full list of your courses that you offer, locations, etc. cetera. Uh, and I would encourage you to do so and look him up. And if you have the opportunity to train with him, uh, I know him. He, Steve's a quality guy. I know you guys are going to get excellent training and uh, really enjoy yourselves. At this time, Steve, any last words, words of advice, whatever it may be that you'd like to leave with the audience before we sign off? Well, uh, I guess maybe I might close by saying, you know, try to get as informed and stay informed as you possibly can. There's some quality podcasts. Uh, I listen to uh, Riley's podcast on a weekly basis. Uh, Sean West also does a great podcast. Uh The other thing that I would, you know, maybe stress is that you really need to get a lot of your range work in at home uh, in dry fire mode or dry practice mode. I think that's the way it's become uh, more popularly uh, coined, that phrase anyway. And that's where you get in your handgun manipulations. That's where you can get in that explosive movement that allows you to perfect your draw so that you can get a good, robust grip on that gun and come out. Uh, range practice as much as you can. I realize, you know, ammunition is uh, scarce and expensive, but that needs to be done from time to time in order to confirm that your dry fire practice is correct. And last but not least, uh, Hany Mahmood is another one of our instructors, a great friend of mine, one of my best friends in the world. Uh, he uh, worked at the same uh, office I did, uh, Constable's office. He was actually a chief deputy and a team commander for our special response team. And he is going to be an instructor at the Guardian Conference. And uh, he is a great guy. I know he's going to have some great material. And I'd like everyone to consider checking him out, too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great. Uh, again, uh, ptgtrainingllc.com uh, and uh, sponsors today, ccwsafe.com and theguardianconference.com, guardianconference.com. Well, folks, we're going to sign on out of here, let you go. We'll be back here next week with more 
episodes from the Concealed Carry podcast. I would encourage you to check out the CCW Safe podcast that Steve does and all the other amazing content, the articles and so forth that, that he puts out as well. So make sure you do that. And so with that, we bid you all adieu. Take care, everybody. A reminder, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>